0: I just want a story about the, the time that you had to sit there and, and sit in on a team meeting when they had the game plan against Kobe and, and what those conversations were like.
1: Well, they're not fun. Um, <laughs> yeah, they're not, they're not, they are not enjoyable.
0: He always seems to get involved, doesn't he? I'm telling you, too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull. Well, I think uh, Anthony will be a great acquisition. He can do it all. Avery, who shows this? Welcome everybody to the Anthony Irwin Show. I'm Anthony Irwin. I am joined by friend of the show, friend of me. I'm, I'm we're friends. I'm, I'm we are. You know you have you have no say in this. I'm considering <laughs> you a friend, <laughs> Aaron Larsoul of the Lakers, uh, of of basically Twitter. Anywhere there's a good conversation about basketball, Aaron is usually involved, and uh, I I enjoy talking to you, Aaron, about all kinds of things. Um, but first and foremost, right before we went on the show, you put your, your Lakers ring on, like does a a sense of warmth just wash over you when you put that on. Like, is it, is it just like when you walk down the street with that ring on, do you just, does everybody just get out of your way? I am aware of championship rings.
1: Well, if I put, if I, if I was wearing it, it wouldn't be for that. It would be for, uh, people to come forth and, and, uh, <laughs> as a as a single man i was going to call it say single gentleman but I, that would be talking too nicely about myself as a single man um yeah i'm going to leave it at that uh there is like an <laughs> eminence from the ring uh uh, uh yeah. like moonbeams and sunshine uh-huh. emanate from it um yeah but you said you hadn't you hadn't seen it before so i, yeah. I had to uh i had to put it on yeah it's uh it is it is uh, i'm very fortunate to have one and um, it is not unpopular with the ladies. So I'll say that it's a good
0: conversation starter at least. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a literal icebreaker. Cause if you drop it on a piece of like on a frozen Lake, it probably goes right through the thing is giant.
1: <laughs> so I'm not going to try that. Um, but as a figurative icebreaker, it's, it's been quite well. I did. In fact, um, I, I was very cliche and did in fact wear it to summer league in Vegas and, uh, Yeah. I mean, I'd like to think of myself as fairly charismatic and popular, anyway. That's oh, probably definitely. a lie, but I like to think of myself that way. But it certainly doesn't hurt when people are coming up to you and asking about it.
0: It's 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 what Scout with Brian thought the uh, team quarter zips were. <laughs> I is, is that dude still on Twitter? I don't. I, I don't even know. I think he he. That's a whole different story. We don't need to go down that path. <laughs> <fast. laughs> uh, today's show is going to be a really fun one. We are going to first discuss the offseason that the Lakers had, um, the decision-making process, and where the, the team sits currently. And then we are recording this on uh, Kobe's birthday. He would have been 43 today. Uh, so rest in peace to Kobe and shots to his entire family. But... Seeing as Aaron, you have spent some time around the league. I I just texted you and asked you, Hey, did you ever have to game plan for Kobe? You said yes. So we're going to go through some Kobe stories on the back end of the show. So I'm looking forward to that uh, quite a bit. Let's start with that off season though. The Lakers, I think as it stands are clear cut favorites. I think in the West as it, as, as, as their roster currently sits, they, they, are returning the t- the two most important players arguably in the western conference with LeBron and AD. They bring in Russell Westbrook. Everybody listening to this has already, you know, knows the moves that they've made. And I'm just kind of curious like if you were to look at this offseason through the prism of what goals they had in mind and how they went about fulfilling those goals, do you A, agree with what you think those goals happened to have been and then B do you think they fulfilled them?
1: So let's start with the the second part of that. Yes, I think the Lakers fulfilled the internal goals. I think it's fair to ask questions about if that is the correct goal setting. But with the clear mandate of what the Lakers wanted to do in the offseason, yes, I feel that they uh, reached their goals for a couple of reasons. Um, we can talk and I'm sure we will talk about the fit of Russell Westbrook. Mm-hmm. Um, and And to be fair, I have my questions about that. Um, but there is a proof of concept with the Lakers winning the title a couple years ago with a bigger, faster, stronger, mm-hmm. just no fun to play against mantra. Yeah. And Russell Westbrook fits into that.
0: Unrelenting and, pressure on the rim.
1: And and Dwight fits into that. So um, what the opportunity cost was in getting Russ, I think is a fair question. What the the, his fit with LeBron, I think, is a fair question. Um, The on court fit. I think both of those are fair questions. However, if you are deciding that we want stars and you're deciding we want to put pressure on the rim and you're deciding we want to just be no fun to play against with speed and length and arms and offensive rebounds. And we're just going to bludgeon you, which worked even which which it was a less less athletic roster than this one but it won a championship a couple of years ago. Um, So I understand there is a proof of concept. um, And I understand that being the, the direction. And if that is the direct direction you want to go, then I think the Lakers achieve that goal where I think the Lakers hit a home run is with the signings that come after that. Because if that is going to be what the roster is going to be, if you're going to commit that much money to, LeBron and AD and Russ and say, this, this is our core. Then I think the Lakers did better than anyone could even reasonably hope with, mm-hmm. uh, with, with the minimum sightings following, following that. Okay. Um, and then, and then with Ken, you know, Kendrick Nunn getting most of the the taxpayer mid-level. So if you, if you want to say, if you separate it the Lakers offseason into the Russ deal and then everything after that, I think everything after the Russ deal is an A plus, I think there's certainly some question we can talk about what grade you would give the rust deal.
0: Well, well, let's come back to the rust deal. The only place I would push back on it being an a plus or a home run. And I would make it like an a, or a triple instead of a Homer is not having Alex Caruso on the roster. If it, if they were able to, if they were able to bring him back Sure, and I know it would have cost more money, obviously, uh, on in in terms of tax dollars and all of that too. But if they were able to bring him back, and you have that perimeter defender, as well as the guys who put pressure on the on the on the rim, and as well as the floor spacers who allow those guys to to put pressure on the rim, that's where I would say I have no complaints. I mm-hmm. have I have no complaints about everything that happened after Russ. Um, can you just talk a little bit about like? You know the 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 thought process, the decision making process on Caruso. Was it just tax sacrifice?
1: I mean, yes. I mean, the yeah. simple answer to that is yes. Um, and when I said I thought it was a home run, I meant all of the acquisitions, all of the guys okay. that they got at the minimum. So, so not- I, I, you're not wrong. You're 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 not wrong. Comment and AC um, was one of my favorite guys on the team. He's a damn good basketball player, um, especially in combination with LeBron. The numbers bear that out. Um, but you're not like that, that is a fair criticism and nobody here, no fans. I'm not going to tell fans how to fan, right. Mm-hmm. You, you care about whatever you care about. Um, and AC is a loss, but, and I look, I'm also not going to be out here counting owners money. Cause I just like, I just don't get into that, yeah. but yeah, I mean, he was, he was a cost saving cut. I think it is pretty clear that the Lakers decided that they were willing to pay, willing to spend those tax dollars for either or between AC and and THT, and THT was the choice. You, we, we can argue about whether that should have had to be a choice. We can argue about if it's the right choice if you had to, but that is clearly the choice. I personally think that Alex Caruso is. Um, more aligned with winning basketball this year Mm -hmm. i don't know that that's the case next year and by the end of the contract looking forward i think i'd rather have tht than ac however i mean i again i'm not here to tell fans how to fans so Mm -hmm. everybody's priorities are what they are and i understand fans frustration about you know, feeling like ownership is getting cheap, which is not the case. But I feel like I understand that sentiment, right? Um, but every team in the NBA has limits. Can what I, can every I ask, team has limits to what they're going to spend.
0: Can I ask? And and no worries if you can't answer this, or if you don't have the information necessary to answer this. But mm-hmm. is this is that decision a result of? everything that has happened over the last couple of years with because of covid right all of the money lost because of covid or is that kind of the status quo like will no
1: yeah yes yes is the answer yeah
0: yes. cuz yes. like basically the line drawn in the sand right now isn't the normal line that they're going to draw moving forward
1: correct especially for a team that has legitimate championship aspirations
0: yeah right i, I don't i don't that's, begrudge that's, that I, that was always my my issue is that like I, we all have lines that we draw in the sand we sure. <laughs> uh it's just but, that, love, like, but look at it, like yeah. look
1: at look at you know look at look at every team in the league right like brooklyn who the warriors spend more money than anybody right mm-hmm. but they still let kelly Oubre walk for nothing mm-hmm. um look at uh look at brooklyn, brooklyn, brooklyn right and, who is who is in my opinion the favorite right? They mm-hmm. didn't spend every dollar they could have, right? Why didn't they keep Spencer Dinwiddie? Because of the money, right? And Joe Lacob and Joe, again, I'm not in, I'm not getting owner's pockets. I don't do that, but those guys have more money than, than Lakers ownership. Mm-hmm. Every team has a line that they draw. Um, sometimes like Ballmer has said, right. They, there have been cost cutting moves all over the place. Every team in the league does it. Mm-hmm. Um, Milwaukee with under- PJ Tucker. Exactly. And I understand. um, I understand the frustration. I understand Lakers fans saying, "Right, look at the TV deal; it's enormous." Um, You know, look at the merchandise deals; it's enormous. I understand all that. But the reality is, every team has a line. That line was affected by the fact that, as we all were, that there were no fans in the building um, for the last eighteen months or so. So, yeah, I mean, it was a cost-cutting move, and that was affected by covid it was affected by the fact that teams were not making what they what they thought they were going to the nba did a really good job in figuring out how to keep the salary cap in place and not have Mm -hmm. that crash but yeah it was it frankly it was a tax avoidance move
0: and so in a normal year a more normal year caruso was still a laker then
1: I, well, would suspect, uh, yeah, I would suspect. Yeah, I would suspect
0: so. Yes. All, all things being realistically, you know, equal, I would,
1: I would, I would suspect so.
0: Yeah. 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 That that's because to me, where I'm sitting as, as a Laker fan and as somebody who in, in, in many ways kind of speaks for some Laker fans out there, I'm, I'm interested in, all right, is this, do we have to reset expectations for where, where those lines in the sand are going to be drawn or do we just have to understand the circumstances under which, this particular off season is is taking place. And then as that is the case, it makes me feel better. And I hope it makes everybody listening feel a little bit better about where things are moving forward, because I can understand if it's a one year thing, because the last couple of years have been brutal. Yes. What I, what I would have a bigger issue with is, all right, so the Lakers are just going to have that disadvantage against those teams, just in general, moving forward.
1: I am confident that the Lakers will spend what is necessary to put a championship Mm -hmm. product forward. Um, I know that that means something personally to Jeannie. I know that uh, a big deal for her is maintaining the Lakers are her baby maintaining the, the standard and legacy that her father set. Um, I don't think the if, if the Lakers struggle, going forward at whatever point it is not going to be because of a lack of resources, but again, every team has its, its limits and you know, the difference or a difference between the Lakers and a lot of these other teams is a lot of the ownership from these other teams has their money or made their money elsewhere Mm -hmm. Um, in, in computers in ballers case or in, in real estate or in tech, et cetera. For the Lakers ownership, at least the controlling ownership of the Lakers, the money is the Lakers. Um, And so that puts the Lakers in a different stratosphere. Now, as far as earning power, the Lakers are right up there with anybody and and perhaps at the top of the list. But um, these are all factors. However, what I will say is if you trust Rob and Jeannie, and I think they have earned the trust, I mean, winning a championship should earn the trust, then... I don't think that they're not going to lose out on battles because of money. This was a, a unique scenario for all of us, right. Based yeah. on the unfortunate events that have happened in the last, whatever, since March of
0: February, March of
1: 2020. Um, and the Lakers have fallen into that.
0: It's it's all honestly, like uh, if you take anything away from the pod, from, from this show, from this episode, I hope that that's, the takeaway here is that this was a unique circumstance because that's that's been the number one question i've had since the offseason has been is now behind us Is like all right so wh- where do we reset our expectations to but it sounds like it doesn't need to be some giant um, the resetting. people
1: the people in charge want to win a championship period over and over and over period end of discussion
0: yeah um me too <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah me me three um yeah you too you get like the more rings you get the more you this one belongs to
1: my niece this one she's already claimed this one my six-year-old niece shout out boogie she has already decided this one's yeah. hers. so i need another one for my nephew i have a three-year-old nephew he needs one and then i guess i need another one to keep for myself but
0: yeah well and, and then another one for your favorite podcast host that's right <laughs> All right, let's, let's go back to the uh, Russell Westbrook stuff. Harrison because... told
1: you? I didn't know that.
0: Oh, crap. <laughs> He's not a podcast host. He actually makes sure to tell me all the time he doesn't want to do podcasting. Um, Sabrina told you then. I'm quite, I'm quite fond of your show with her that she hosts. He actually is the host there, too. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Oh, well, congrats, Sabrina, if you're listening. <laughs>
1: <laughs> she doesn't listen, listen to the feed? Listen, you know what? <laughs> this is how we test her. This is how you test her. This is how you and Harrison test her to see if she's paying attention to the feed.
0: <laughs> All right. Nobody say anything to Sabrina. because you're right, you're This is like this, buried don't add is buried her.
1: like 20 minutes in or 25 yeah. minutes in. Yeah. Yeah.
0: If she's actually listening, congrats. If you're not, sorry, I just got your ring. Um, so the the Russell Westbrook deal, and you said that there are some not, I guess, concerns for lack of a better term. Uh, regarding the fit there with LeBron, is there anything that you could be promised heading into the season? Like, if there was one thing that Russell Westbrook could promise to do that he has shown an ability to do, or that that he is physically capable of doing, right?
1: Those are two very different questions.
0: I know, I know, I know. Well, that's why I'm asking it this way. Because
1: physically capable of doing, or that he has shown a willingness to do, those are two very different. Well, things. no, so he's physically capable of just about
0: anything except knocking down the three-point yeah, right, shot fair. consistently yeah, right fine, that's that's yeah. what, that's more what i mean because like he could choose to set more screens and be more active off ball Correct. that's a choice that he could make Correct. He can't like choose to just become a better three-point shooter that's that's at this stage of his career that doesn't happen very often Sure. so if he could promise you one thing that he can completely control what would that one thing be that would make you feel better about the fit
1: the on-court fit um So just like an overall deference is, Mm -hmm. is not a physical thing. That's a mental thing, but it would be an overall deference. Mm -hmm. Um, As far as a physical thing, you, you mentioned it, it would be just to be more active off the ball. Mm -hmm. Um, Meaning I think him as a screen setter for LeBron would be, will be, however often it happens, will be devastating. Um, Yeah. You know, if LeBron gets doubled that pass to, uh to Russ and Russ is the short role guy putting with all that athleticism, yeah. putting pressure on the rim, a guy that's averaged double-digit assists many, many times as a passer, um and as a decision maker. That I think is is something that if Russ is willing to do that, um, the Lakers are that is going to be unstoppable, especially and you can have yeah. you can have AD in the dunker spot, ready to catch lobs from Russ. You can have him spaced out depending on who else is on the floor. I think that can be devastating. Um, and then also Russ is an incredibly effective cutter. Mm-hmm. Um, he just hasn't done it enough. So yeah. I think to like the umbrella topic, the umbrella thing of over all of that is just more active off the ball. Um, defensively, it would be just paying attention off the ball. Uh, he's, <laughs> Russ is still Russ is still pretty yeah. good as a point of attack guy, he's pretty good. He's not great. He's pretty good as a point yeah. of attack guy, um, but he has lapses in, in effort and lapses in attention off the ball, um, which can lead to some pretty uh, disastrous is too strong of a word, but some, some Tough pretty, some, some pretty negative <laughs> Tough look results. for my guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So one, but one way in which I think both of those things um, I have hope for both of those things is because he's not going to, have to and frankly he's not going to be able to or allowed to carry the same load that he has had to on offense Mm -hmm. um for all of these years so hopefully that allows him more energy uh mental energy emotional energy physical energy to do those things pay better attention on defense be more active off the ball because frankly he's not going to have the ball and all the responsibility as he has basically every year since since kd left with like some kind of question about that in houston playing alongside hard
0: yeah i i told you remember we did that uh twitter spaces like Mm -hmm. basically right after the the russell westbrook it's like a day after russell westbrook right Mm -hmm. and i told you then that i felt better about it then than i did right after the acquisition and i told you that over the course of the offseason i would start to convince myself because i'm a homer about like (laughs) about the fit and how are like what percentage are we now have you uh, I'm probably more for it than I am against it. I still okay. think, I still think the, the criticism that I'm going to have, of I it am that too, I by the way,
1: I'm, I'm, I am, I am more in favor of it than I was before. Also, by the way, yeah, the,
0: the, the, criticism I have of it, and we'll get to that here in a second is, is in regards to allocation of resources, you know, mm-hmm. like, like using all of that on top of the players that it also cost them because of tax money, um, for Russell Westbrook, like that's, that's something that I don't know that I'll ever be fully on board of or or with, but in regards to like the encore fit, I feel, I feel a lot better about this than I I do or than I did say a month ago, the the stuff with Russ on the ball and, and uh, how he handles being on the ball or how LeBron handles Russ being on the ball is another thing that I don't like the, the simple solution is LeBron's on the ball. That's it right but it's not that simple when you're talking about Russell Westbrook it's, it, it never is and, and like we, we would you would have thought that it was that simple with Russ and Kevin Durant right because Kevin Durant was a more effective player efficient player and 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 yet that wasn't the case you would have thought that that was it was just that simple with James Harden but it wasn't necessarily the case. And so when Russ has the ball can, have you have you considered any ways that LeBron could be more effective? Than he's been over the course of his career off of it, and he hasn't spent very much time off of it. But but to be clear, he's not like a spot up shooter. Or well, so I I think a couple of things. There's two things.
1: One, I think depending on on lineup construction and how much AD plays the five and all of this, I think we may see offensively we may see LeBron in his time off of the ball. Usually, his time off of the ball in in the recent past has been kind of as a spaced out shooter Mm -hmm. um which he's okay at he's not great he's okay he's good enough that you're not gonna leave him but he's Mm -hmm. not so good that everybody's terrified
0: and I don't even know um, that it's that he's good enough as a shooter that you're not going to leave him. It's that you're not going to leave LeBron James. <laughs> like, <laughs> fair.
1: Yeah. Fair. Yeah, fair. Um, you're just not going to walk
0: away from LeBron James on a basketball.
1: I, I, my, my, my suspicion is in the moments when LeBron is off the ball with Russ these days. And let me be clear. I want LeBron with the ball. Yes. Like When, when games <laughs> matter.
0: <laughs> totally with you.
1: <laughs> when games matter, LeBron should have the ball. Yeah. Right. And. To me, it's like Rush should have to fit in and LeBron Mm -hmm. should have the ball. However, because LeBron is maybe like a Swiss army knife is not fair because like the Swiss army knife is all these like little tiny screwdrivers and knives and stuff. LeBron is like a Swiss, like a full-size Swiss army knife. You get like the real cleaver and the real screwdriver. Because LeBron can literally do everything, I think some of it may be incumbent on him to, even though conceptually that seems counterintuitive just because he is so good, so smart, et cetera. I think some of it might be incumbent on LeBron to like figure out ways to fit in because he's Mm -hmm. just more malleable than anybody else. But one of the ways I think he may be deployed and utilized off the ball this year that he hasn't done as much in the past as in the post obviously Mm -hmm. depending on how much space is there, right. If it's, if AD and Dwight are on the floor with Russ and and LeBron, Mm -hmm. that's not going to work. If AD and Mark are on the floor, maybe because Mark will be standing at the top of the key. If it's just AD as the big, and it's with those three guys, it's, you know, Malik Monk and Kent Bazemore, then you've got some room for LeBron to operate in the post. So I think one way LeBron can be pretty effective um, off the ball is in the post. Also. I think it is possible for Le- you know, all of the ways in which we're going to, we've been saying like LeBron is going to break down a defense and then Russ is going to be standing out there. And are you going to kick it to Russ? Cause he's, you know, a three point shooter. Nobody's going to care. Well, they do care about LeBron
0: mm-hmm. out there.
1: So if you flip that and have Russ as the initiator, and when he's able to collapse the defense, get it to LeBron, LeBron is a competent three, enough three point shooter that defenses are going to worry about that. Plus like, lebron attacking a closeout or lebron as the second side guy you know the weak side guy who is a the the second action kind of thing once you kick it to him is he going yeah. into another pick and roll is he a shooter so i think flipping those roles is is an option as is lebron playing a little bit more in the post depending on lineup construction
0: yeah i i, I like a lot of the all, basically all of it I, I agree with basically all of it from a, a basketball perspective it's just a matter of like the personality stuff. And before they made the acquisition, there was that reported meeting between LeBron and, and Westbrook and AD. And I think Jared Dudley was there too. Um, which Duds <laughs> was, never make part, me Duds kind
1: of was a part of studs
0: was Duds was yeah, that does that that dude. I, I, that's, I my, guy. that's my guy. <laughs> I, there, there should be a, a, a documentary on Jared Dudley's t- tenure as a Laker. Like I would, I would oh, absolutely. Absolutely watch that. I would hundred percent watch that. Um, uh, but, the the last kind of thing here, because I've seen this go around and and it's mostly a Twitter meme. And it's anytime like Bleacher Report or Sports Center or anything like that tweets tweets out a picture of some combination of LeBron, uh Mello, A D, Russ, etc. Mm-hmm. The the response is like the question is how are you gonna stop this? And the response is a two-three zone. I just want to go out and go out on the limb. Good and luck. it's a it's a very sturdy limb but I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I think LeBron and AD and Russell Westbrook will be able to be smart enough on a court to beat a two, three zone. I I just, I just can't imagine a world in which a a two, three zone actually gives them any issues.
1: No, I mean, I I think it could give them pro. I think it could give them problems here and there, but if that's just your base defense, good luck. I mean like three or four possessions, like you have three of the most talented, smartest guys in basketball history. Like good luck. (laughs) I mean, plus yeah. with that athleticism and the different, like you have a huge wing and a big and a point, like good luck with all plus, plus, plus athleticism. Like if, if you play two, three zone against the Lakers and you have, let, let's let say the reason they would, you would do it is because the Lakers don't have a shooting. So let's say it's Dwight. Let's say it's mm-hmm. Dwight, AD, LeBron, Russ, and I'd pick one of the wings. I don't care. Yeah you are going to get destroyed on the offensive glass. Like Dwight and AD and Russ and LeBron on the offensive glass out of a zone with more difficulty. It's not impossible to, to block out out of a zone, but it's more difficult because you have to figure out who you're going to get. And often two guys will go to block out one guy because you don't have a specific man matchup. Good luck.
0: Last question before we move on to Kobe stuff. Is AD the most important Laker this season? Because I feel like I feel like I'm reaching that point where Yes. I, I'm I'm willing to yes. say that he is.
1: He yes. Um, I think that in a weird way, I, I think not in a weird way, AD sets the ceiling, um, because you know what you're gonna get from LeBron. Like assuming health, you know what you're gonna get from LeBron. So LeBron sets the floor and the ceiling because you know what you're gonna get from LeBron, but the 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 guy that can take, especially in the playoffs, the guy that can take that ceiling and make it can take the Lakers from a damn good team to a championship team to like, you know, an all time team in some respects is Anthony Davis. And I think the floor is set by Russell Westbrook. You're going to get what you're going to mm-hmm. get from Russell Westbrook. I like He's going to dominate He's, his energy and effort and anger in a good way. Um, and all of that is going to, I think sets the floor for the Lakers, particularly in the regular season. Um, And I think the fit between the, I think the Russell Westbrook fit is pretty ideal off the court. Um, And I think that is going to have some large benefits Mm. also mostly in the regular season, but I think there's some real benefits in that. But yes, I agree that Anthony Davis is the guy that can take the Lakers from good to really good to great to championship. I think that is Anthony Davis.
0: Yeah, that's, that's where I'm at too. All right. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and, and, and I'm, I want to go down memory lane here. It is again, Kobe's birthday as we're recording this and I'm going to, re- I'm going to release it as soon as we're done. Um, as, as soon as I edit it. So some of you are going to listen to this on Kobe's birthday. Some of you are going to listen to it where Kobe's birthday was yesterday.
1: Uh, uh, if it's, if it's, if they do listen to it when Kobe's birthday was yesterday, that's eight twenty four, So that works too.
0: Then it's, yeah, then it's mama day. So, uh, I I, I want to start here because you you have worked in, uh, with a few organizations, right? And, yeah. uh, and you, you, there has been some crossover here with Kobe and I just want a story about the, the time that you had to sit there and, and sit in on a team meeting when they had the game plan against Kobe and, and what those conversations were like.
1: Well, they're not fun. Um, <laughs> yeah, they're not, they're not, they are not enjoyable, they were not enjoyable um kobe used to so most of my time in the nba other than with the lakers is was, was with the uh, trailblazers with the portland trailblazers and kobe used to just so i know like for the for the sake of all of these kobe stories what is what are the language requirements on on your podcast
0: oh you can we go with it okay. You go for it yeah
1: all right um so, fair warning
0: to everybody listening cover your kids ears we're good all right so,
1: Kobe, like, I think, at least while, while I was in Portland, seemed to have lots and lots and lots of really big games against the Blazers. Mm-hmm. And I think one, one of
0: your guys went out there and said he could stop Kobe.
1: So, that's why. <laughs> uh, so, my man, Ruben Patterson, the quote-unquote Kobe stopper. And I don't yeah. even really know where that comes from. He was drafted by the Lakers. So, I assume it comes from practice when he, early in his career as a Laker, Maybe. I would guess i don't know if he gave himself that name or whatever but that carried on into his days with the blazers um and so we would go we'd be sitting there and kobe kobe would just give us buckets 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 yeah. he had huge games probably because he wanted to make a point against Ruben. so we were sitting in in meetings one day and like how are we gonna guard kobe what are we gonna do because Kobe was the top, and this is this is after Shaq had left. But even in those like those Shaq and Kobe teams, Kobe was always the beginning of the scouting report. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is like Kobe. This may not even be quite pal yet, and so Kobe is one hundred percent. He's the only guy you have to worry about. Um, and so we're sitting around talking about what we're going to do about Kobe, and Ruben comes in and is like, "Don't worry about it. I got it. I'm the Kobe stopper." I go, <laughs> "If you don't shut the fuck up, what?" I mean, like Twitter wasn't a thing yet, but I'm like, but I'm thinking like, all that shit is good for, tw- we're sitting here, Kobe's been kicking our, what are you talking about? I got it. I'll, I, you know, we'll make somebody, we'll make Chris Mim beat us or we'll make like, I don't even know if Ruben knew anybody else on the Lakers roster at that point, but we'll make whoever else get us. Yeah, we'll make Smush beat us or I think, when was Bynum drafted? I think Bynum was there.
0: He was around that time. I think he was drafted the year. So they had the one bad year after Shaq, and then they had the high draft pick, and that's what they used on Bynum.
1: So, like, whoever was there. Yeah. And so I go, Ruben, right? And I should be quiet about this. So I was over at Ruben's house the night night before playing die. We were shooting dice the night before over at Ruben's house. So I go, Ruben, man, what what are you talking about? (laughs) I'm good. I got him. No, you don't. You I think said Kobe this, gave us like 48 that night.
0: You said this at the like during the game or when no, you guys before were shooting the game. Ice?
1: Like we we'll walkthroughs before the game. Okay. <laughs> like we're putting the, the plan in. I go, Ruben, no, you don't have him. What are you doing? We gotta send a we gotta send a double. We gotta keep him off his his left shoulder. and he's like, nah, I got him.
0: What was the like? Kobe what were the stopper. teammates saying? Like, what are the teammates saying as he said, "No, no, no, I got this." Did anybody like somebody had Every, to say, well, "Ruben, you everybody don't." Was
1: afraid, everybody was afraid of Ruben, so. Oh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in order to have that amount of confidence, you have there has to be a level of crazy there, and I and 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 I could see why that would, you know, scare some teammates there and make it so that. He's a little too intimidating to tell, no, Ruben, you do not have Kobe. You you, you clearly do not.
1: He's a good dude. But no, but I mean, look, that was was like, he was the only guy that publicly, he was crazy enough that he publicly would want that smoke, right? He would say, (laughs) knowing that that would do something to Kobe that he would want. But like the reality is nobody had Kobe in those days, right? This is like, whatever, like 05, 06, 07 in those days. Nobody had code. Nobody was guarding Kobe period. Yeah. One-on-one, forget it. Nobody. End of story. So for him to say that was always like, he's like, I'm the Kobe stopper. I'm like, look, I know somebody gave you, I don't know if it was you who gave yourself that nickname in practice, like five years. I don't know, but there is no Kobe stopper. Period. Honestly,
0: Steven Jackson and Matt Barnes need to give the all the smoke podcast name to Ruben Patterson. Cause he's the only guy Who who actually wanted that? He definitely wanted it. You know what's
1: funny about you mentioned, uh, (laughs) you you mentioned Barnes. It was Kobe. One of the things Kobe used to do was all the guys that like would physically stand up to him Mm -hmm. or intimidate him or whatever. He
0: wanted them on Lakers, on the Lakers.
1: He tried it. Yes, Uh, Matt Barnes and Ariza and Steve Blake, like all of these dudes that just like we're not intimidated by Kobe. He used to try to, uh, and, uh, meta, uh, he used to try to acquire these dudes. I was in a, uh, in a, I, I was sitting at like a bar with, uh, Prisbilla. because mm-hmm. Joel Prisbilla. It was just like a goon. It was actually still one of my really close friends. Um, Former
0: center for the Blazers.
1: Yeah. For the Blazers. Mm-hmm. Uh, got the traded. He finished his career in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Uh, he started in Milwaukee, uh, the Blazers traded him to Charlotte. So he, he played for the Bobcats for like nine games. Um, so we were sitting in a bar having a couple drinks and Blake, who was Steve Blake, who was like a nine time Laker and an eight time Blazer. Or maybe that's reversed.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, so he calls, he, he calls Joel sitting there and, and uh, we're sitting there this is 2011 probably. And we're, we're sitting at the bar and Joel picks it up. He goes, Hey, it's Blake. Hey, hey what's up, man? And uh, so Blake goes, "What are you doing?" He goes, "I'm sitting, having a couple of drinks with Aaron." So Blake's like, "Hey, what's up, Aaron?" I say, "What's up to him?" And he goes, "Well, what are you, what are you like thinking about doing?" Because Joel's about to be a free agent. He goes, what are you thinking about doing? And Joel's like, "I don't know, man. I might retire. Like, I don't know." And he goes, I'm mm-hmm. "Blake says I'm sitting here. I'm sitting here with Kobe." And Joel's like, "Okay." And he goes, "Kobe says you got to come play with us." <laughs> and Joel's <laughs> like, "I guess, man. All right. Well, like talking to my agent, I guess."
0: was I a gotta, late? did I blank on the Joel Prisbilla Lakers era No
1: yeah he did Joel did not do it Joel ended okay. up coming back <laughs> it was uh, you know what I think it was right before the um the the lockout in 11 mm. and Joel ended up coming back um that the, the season started in December and Joel ended up coming back in like February of 12 with uh, the Blazers but Kobe was definitely trying to get trying to get Joel because Joel was a dude that didn't back down so Kobe was very uh was well known for any dude that was like not afraid of him, he wanted him because he, he knew Reuben that that Patterson.
0: meant.
1: <laughs> Reuben Patterson was there and gone. So I guess
0: <laughs> everybody else, but I gave Reuben Patterson fifty buckets too many. I know he can't defend.
1: <laughs> he gave. He gave. I mean, and, uh, and the thing was, Reuben could defend, but like in yeah. those days,
0: yeah, right. That's just nobody.
1: Every, I mean, everybody has a different opinion of when Kobe's peak and prime was, but like. As far as like ISO, I'm gonna kill everyone, I can do this by myself. Kobe, like those mid 2000 years, Kobe were just like, good luck.
0: He he had those stretches where he would score 50 points. I think he did 50 points in like five straight games or nine straight games, something bananas.
1: I want to say there was like a 13 or 14 game stretch where his lowest point total was like 36.
0: Yeah, right. No, there was there was certainly with 40, 40 being the threshold, the streaks are pretty outrageous. The 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 streak and, and I say streaks plural, which There's is outrageous multiple, right? by itself. Right. <laughs> you know, um, like from from the coaching perspective, was there anything that you guys were hoping to force Kobe into doing? Or was it just like when he has the ball, he's gonna get to his spot on the court. Let's just try to make it really difficult for him to get to that spot on the court.
1: No, the latter. There's nothing you can do. Yeah. I mean, when guys are that good. Um, and, and especially in the ways that Kobe was right. Like he was an okay three point shooter. Um, didn't take a lot of them until later on. Mm -hmm. He was, he was one of those guys that was just a mid range assassin. He could get to where he wanted to get because he was strong. He was his, his will. Um, but like the, the biggest, I think the biggest part of Kobe's game was his footwork. Yes. His strength and his ball handling and that footwork allowed him to get wherever he wanted to get. He mm-hmm. could literally, Kobe literally. I've known a bunch of stories. I've heard a lot of stories of Kobe telling guys like, "I'm gonna go here, two drills right, right.
0: one right. And... I'm gonna, I'm
1: here's where I'm gonna go. You're mm-hmm. not gonna do anything about it, right?" And it, it, you, you and I were talking a little earlier about about Kevin Durant, right? Kobe doesn't have that size, but it's the same kind of thing. Like he, he Kevin Durant's gonna get where he wants to go, and there's yeah. nothing you can do about it because it's seven feet. Kobe's gonna get where he wants to go because he's that skilled. And he's got that Jordan fadeaway uh, and was a good athlete until the very latter stages of his career. So shot the ball up. Like, there wasn't much you could do. You would try to make it difficult on him, but good luck, right? Like, if it's good, like, you hope it, he you hope he misses. That's what it is. You hope what, he misses.
0: What What's it like on the bench, being on the opposing bench while Kobe is going off like that? Like, do you try to not look anybody at the face? Like, are you trying not to laugh? Are you trying... Cause I've seen some moments where Kobe would do something and then the opposing bench like curls over and starts laughing at like the ridiculousness of what he's doing.
1: No, if you, if you, I don't, I don't know my fan reaction might be different, but if you work for another team, um, it's, it feels like it's just like a sense of dread with Kobe it was just like a sense of dread, like, mm. uh, like an inevitability. Um, yeah. I think before we, we we were recording, you and I were talking about Steph, right? And I'm mm-hmm. like a grown man that has worked in the NBA for most of my adult life, but Steph still does things that make me giggle. Like, and that's not like, <laughs> yeah,
0: no, like yeah. you can't
1: believe what you're seeing, and you just giggle. Like, I don't know how to react to this. Yeah, Kobe, it was more like, it was just inevitable. Kobe was like, like a like a boa constrictor, right? Like he has the mamba. I mean, that's that's not yeah. a boa constrictor, but like he would just like choke the life out of you. It was just like he would put pressure on you every possession over and over and over and over. And then eventually like you can't normal humans can't hold even and by NBA standards, just you can't hold up to that pressure. Yeah. And so again, it, it like becomes a, uh, like a battle of chance. He's going to do what he wants to do. The question is if the ball goes in or not. Right. So it wasn't like, yeah, you don't like, with Kobe, it was rarely like, oh, my God, like any one moment was like, oh, my God, it was just the like it was the the collection of moments that's just like, OK, here he goes again. Here he goes again. Here he goes again. Here he goes again. And it's like a helpless feeling because there's nothing you can do about it.
0: Yeah, that's I can I, I, as you're saying that. It, it's one thing where. Like if Steph is doing something to somebody. There's an embarrassing factor, and and that that's not to say that Kobe didn't embarrass people. Like he is very was very capable of 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 embarrassing plenty of people too. But with with Steph, it's it's you know four or five dribbles, a couple crossovers. You got leaning the wrong way one time. You take one step too many one way, and you're all of a sudden you're on the floor. Kobe right. was just and he like goes, he's
1: going to the rim, or it's a step back three that he shot and is running back on defense while the ball's still in the air because he knows yeah. it's good.
0: He's like so Kobe. It was your... just
1: like. Kobe was like strangling the life out of you every possession.
0: Yeah. I I've always kind of, you know, there's you always do this with former players and and the game is played so differently now that I love to think about ways different guys fit into the fit into the modern NBA. And you know, a, a lot of times it's looked at with Kobe through the prism of, well of course he would have studied analytics and he would have figured out the the important shots to take and all that stuff. But I actually think maybe what, what what would have made Kobe the the like basically impossible to guard is that defenses nowadays are giving guys that shot. They're they're, they're like the most nights he's going to go into uh, go against a team that has no idea how to stop a player that efficient from those spots who is willing to take that shot over and over and over again and now has more space to do so. So like mm-hmm. that's. As much as as easy as as it is to just kind of look at Kobe and say, "Oh yeah, of course he would have done the things to make him a more efficient player," I think the game inherently would have made himself made him more efficient because of the the pressure he could put on the rim with more space, and then because the shots that he's taking and the shots that he was killing all these teams with, like they the defenses don't know what to do to take that away.
1: Well, uh, well, no, I think it's more than that. Defenses are designed now to allow to give that.
0: that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think, you know what, I, as you were saying that, I don't know that this is a really good comparison, but I think just like a minimum baseline for Kobe as an offensive player now is like Kawhi, right? Like yeah. it's, he's just like a monster. His, he's stronger than you. He's a robot. He's going to get to his spots. He's going to kill you from the mid range. He's going to be efficient. He's not going to shoot a ton of threes, but he's going to shoot them efficiently. And he's just going to murder you getting to his spots and shooting mid range jumpers. I think I think yeah. that is like the absolute absolutely. floor, you know, like uh, of 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 <laughs> how the Kobe floor. would translate now.
0: <laughs> That's the floor. Kobe was we're a better t- offensive player than Kawhi. Oh, absolutely. No, I'm I'm, I'm saying that like I think, the, I, know, think
1: I think Kawhi now is the floor of what Kobe would be in this era.
0: Yeah, I I would have loved to seen it. Uh, and 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 I love, <laughs> I just love the notion of people just telling Ruben like Ruben, Ruben. Come on, <laughs> dude's killing. This dude's
1: killing. This dude's killed you like five straight games. What? You were not. I'm the Kobe stopper. Okay, man. Like, sure, but like, I just got the t-shirts everybody. made. But what are you gonna do? Yeah. Who's like, what is who's who's gonna be the one to be like? Okay, no, I got him. Nobody. <laughs> I mean, Broy is one of my favorites, one of my all-time favorites, and he was damn good. But like, Brandon's like, what? Brandon's gonna switch no. over on him?
0: No, I think Kobe had like three inches on Roy. Nobody could, nobody could do anything. <laughs> right. But I'm saying even, even by, even by guys who could maybe do something, I, Roy is pretty low on the list for, for guys who could maybe yeah, do could. something to him. Cause Kobe, Kobe had like three inches on him. The guy who I, basically what I remember from Kobe, the guys who gave him the most issue were taller, longer players who were as fast as him. And they are very rare. Like you mentioned Kawhi if Kobe was playing against Kawhi nowadays, Kobe would just like most players struggle to beat him one-on-one. Yeah,
1: Kawhi would give him problems. KD would give him problems. At but, the like of- Giannis would give him yeah. problems. Okay, fine. <laughs> but
0: like- yeah. But you're talking about three of the best individual right. defenders <laughs> that we've ever seen. Fine. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Well, this was an absolute blast. We, last time you were on here, we did the, the most embarrassing uh, sports moment or athletic moment. So we don't have to go down that path again. Thank you very much for hopping on with me uh, the way you did and, and all of the support that you've given the show um, as often as you have, Aaron. And and uh, I can't wait to keep talking to you over the course of, of, of the off season and into the regular season.
1: Anytime brother. Love the show and love what y'all are doing. Make sure you guys check out every show on the silver screen and roll feed. It's about 64 of them. They all got that different <laughs> flavor, but, uh, and even a few of them don't have Anthony, not a lot of them, but a few of them don't have Anthony. So, uh, yeah, I, I enjoy it. I listen, uh, I listen on on my way wherever I'm going in the car. I I listen to all y'all shows. So I appreciate the content.
0: Thank you very much, man. And Sabrina, if you're listening, you, you, you can contact Aaron about where to find the future. Indeed.